It takes more than room temperature, ambient pressure, superconductivity to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 367. I am your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for engineers who are above room temperature, but do you at think it's ambient real? pressure. I don't know anything about this field, but I just think it isn't real. I think I it's a know. funny Twitter phenomenon that I know nothing about the actual science that took place, and I know everything about the drama of the people who were publishing <laughs> the science. <laughs> isn't that the best? Yeah. <laughs> so funny like that i think that cancels out the alien liar guy and so wait liar guy really neutral i there's no way that guy's telling the truth i know right i just want it to be true though so bad wouldn't it be cool if you could just go testify before congress about anything and just like wildly make stuff up and then you're like but i can't tell you the details because security yeah (laughs) yeah wait isn't that kind of what we do on this podcast there's just no congress yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> Our yeah, listeners are the Congress in this metaphor. We should respect the grift. <laughs> All right, I'm going to thank our patrons. Thank you so much to these folks who support the show so that we will shout them out every single week. Thank you to Trash Panda, the Computer Science Book, the Re-Elect Jameson Dance Boogie Brigade, the Re-Elect Jameson Dance Committee, Santa Hopar, Noah Frazier Logue, Kenzie Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Shardo, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, TuscarawasOhioPatreon.com. We are hiring Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, WebTow, Osmenda, and Testing, Oladapofadye, Will Angel, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Bartek, Tatkowski, Cody, Professional Puzzlers, Puzzle Solver Sale, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you. We appreciate it. You keep the show going. You pay for the editing, for the hosting, for the stuff that goes into making it happen, and you warm our hearts. If you want to warm our hearts like these people do, you can go to softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon, and any amount will get you invited to our Slack community, and any amount above whatever it says on there will get you a shout out in the show. And with that, that, that is correct. Sh- shall we read questions? Yes, but we do need to introduce our new Patreon tier where instead of reading your name, we will just make up a bunch of drama about you and then tweet about it and then... I don't know what you get for that, but that that is available. Fame and the hatred of the masses. (laughs) All right. Yes, I will read our first question. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, We have recently switched to mandatory two days of in-person work a week, but my employee keeps working from home. Whenever I ask him to come in in person, he says, sure, but continues to work from home. (laughs) When I confront him about not showing up in person, he just says, oh, sorry, I wasn't able to make it that day. He's a good good employee, so I don't want to fire him, but I'm concerned about what upper management will say if and when they find out about this. What should I do? (laughs) Oh, man. I have a lot of sympathy for folks (laughs) in this position of... I I definitely hear about increased pressure to return to the office. Mm -hmm. And from what I can gather of this question, it doesn't sound like the question asker is, is deeply committed to the value of working in person. It's more like my bosses said, I have to do this, but maybe slightly more committed than their employee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's clearly not committed. Yeah, that's an awkward position to be in to say, like, hey, do this thing so I don't get in trouble, even though it doesn't make anything better. It is, to Uh, me, just incredible 
that I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this, but there are people who will test the boundaries of their employment by simply not doing what they're asked to do <laughs> repeatedly. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. A good employee, so I don't want to fire him. I'm concerned about... Um, you could get a body double. You could get someone to come in and pretend to be this person. Yes. That kind of covers your bases. So if, if upper management asks about it, then you say, oh, yeah. No, he, he's They're here. Right he came there. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how are they going to know? Especially yeah. depending on how upper the upper management is, you know? Yeah. No, no, he got taller. Sorry. <laughs> or, or you're just, no, he always had that many limbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your memory yeah. must be off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many limbs exactly does this person have in your in your imagination, Jameson? I don't know. Just imagining. It could be more. Could be fewer. You know. Yeah. You. Um, uh, I, I think you remember this as a human biologic sample. This is a non-human biologic sample. It's always been that way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just just saying. Yep, I'll do it, and then not doing it, and then saying, "Oh, sorry, I couldn't do it." Yeah, I. I, I don't know why that do just it. tickles me. <laughs> It's so Sorry, funny. I was unable to do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, You know, to me, this just shows how the balance of power, while it has swung a little bit to the employers, it has not swung that much. If someone can say, please come into work. If your employer can say, please come into work in the office two days a week, and you say yes and don't, and your boss is more scared of you leaving than man, what management will say. That's yeah. very interesting. This does expose a difficult, unresolved dilemma, which is, why do they need to come in? And and it feels like your employee is saying, it is not useful or helpful for me to come in, so I'm not gonna. And presumably, yep. there's some message from on high about how we all need to pull together, and it's better for, I don't know, ad hoc conversations and productivity, etc. But they do not buy it. I think this person has decided to live the dream. They have moved to some amazing, wonderful place, and they cannot come in to the office. Ah, <laughs> uh, they just didn't tell you. Like, yeah. I wasn't able to make it that day because I am actually in the Himalayas yes. the whole time. <laughs> the commute would take a long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I'll be there next week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a few options. You can try to motivate them by by explaining why it is valuable and helpful for them, why it is a thing that they would like, that they should want to do, try and convince them, like, mm -hmm. actually, it would be better to come to the office. You, you have the carrot, you have the stick of, like, well, I'm, I'm asking you to do this as a condition for your employment yep. at the company, and the risk of that is the employment is voluntary, and I don't know, they can just say no. They'll be like, all right, I guess I'll get another job. Yeah, that sounds like that's what's going to happen here. You could, this sucks in different ways. You okay. could try to carve out an exception for this employee to say they are critical to the team. They will quit if we say you have to come in. So can we just say they don't have to come in? Yeah. But that feels, presumably there are other people who would like to also work from home. Right. Definitely feels a bit weird. Yeah. For the team dynamics. I mean, what I have learned in my years is that when you enter into a relationship, a professional or otherwise commercial relationship with someone, 
and there are things that you want them to do in that relationship, it is very useful to have attached consequences to those behaviors. You know, it, it's one thing to say, look, I'm going to sign a contract that I'm going to rent this house from you. And the landlord says no smoking. And I'm like, no smoking or what? You know, it's like, what? <laughs> and, and what I've learned is that if you say... It'll be a $10 extra charge on yeah. your rent a month. Like, okay, it costs $10 a month to smoke here. No problem. <laughs> Got it. Exactly. But if they just don't have anything attached, it's kind of like, or... And I think that's what's happening with this employee. They're like, I come into the office or what? And you don't really have an or what. You know, and you certainly don't want, and you know, the ultimate or what with any employment arrangement is termination, but you don't want to do that. And this person, I think, knows that. And it's actually just waiting for you to see if they can call your bluff. I think you need to somehow make the performance of their computer dependent on proximity (laughs) to the office. So everything just gets a little bit slower every, every, few miles away yeah it's like one over n relationship where n is miles and that number is the number of gigabytes you get (laughs) yeah yeah you're yeah you have fewer gigabytes of ram outside of the office exactly come to the office to pick up your ram (laughs) yeah i i guess i'm having I'm I'm having trouble engaging with this question because i think it's dumb to say actually you have to come to the office I, i feel like Either you have to say from the top down, you have to, or you're fired. Right. Or you just can't say that. You can, you yeah. you just say you're remote and we, you have an office and people can come in if they want. Yeah. I think, I do think there's a little bit of room between um, a total pushover and you're fired. And I think that room looks something like over the long term, opportunities will no longer come to you. Things like raises, promotions, working on that really cool new project, things like that that you could do, but it's going to take months or years to really pay that consequence out to the employee. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I was talking more about the company imposing this policy. Like, I think this yeah. is a dumb policy. Do you, are you saying that the idea of having people come to the office is dumb? Or are you saying that asking them to come to the office with no stick? I'm <laughs> saying the idea of going from working remote to you are required to come into the office a certain number of days a week. Mm. feels arbitrary and less useful and and yeah yeah i think once you've made a a fully remote commitment it's really hard to put that genie back in the bottle it is it really is i will say that another thing you could do here to manage the situation is to observe the performance of your other team members and note the things that happen the good things that happen because they are in the office and then I'll also make note of the bad thing that happens, that that bad things that happen, if any at all, because this person is not in the office. And then try to make a judgment call yourself. Like, is it actually worth it to risk losing them to, to have them come in or to force to try to force them to come in? And you might find that actually it's just not worth it. Or you might find that it is. Like, and I'll tell you, having recently transitioned from a fully remote to a now hybrid in-person situation, which I did by changing companies, not by changing a policy at a company, there are a lot of serendipitously good things that happen by virtue of being in an office together. And these are things Mm -hmm. like new ideas are discovered, solutions to problems happen really quick sometimes, and all those things I remember being either slow or non-existent in a remote environment. So I think what you're saying is, is 
outside of the two ends of the spectrum of do nothing or you're fired if you don't do this, make make the case, pitch them, see if that works a little bit. Well, yeah. Well, for, first, I would just collect information because it could be that you don't have a case to make at all. It could very well be that the best thing for the company and for this person is for them to stay remote. But you don't. I don't think you really know that based on, you know, just a, a few weeks of observation. Yeah, there's also just the bureaucracy kind of policy piece of like. Yeah. I know you, everyone has to come in two days a week, and and I might look like not an effective manager if my team is not doing that, which sucks. You might, but I I don't think that. I think that's the wrong concern is how you look as a manager. The right concern is, is my team performing? Is this good for the business? Is this good for the, the team member? And yeah. if, if you can make a compelling argument that this particular person should stay remote, I would bring that argument up to upper management. And I would do it by, like what I said, observing over time the good and the bad and seeing if there's a strong case to let this situation stay. And then try yeah. to get, an, I, I like what you said, Jameson, try to get an exception carved out just for this person. And you'd be surprised. I think sometimes they'll do it. And in requesting the exception, you're going to learn where management really stands on this issue. Because they might come back and say, no exceptions, back in the office or you're fired. Or they might come back and say, yeah, that's fine. You can stay remote. Yeah. Kind of like discovering the nuance available by pushing a little bit. Exactly. Which in is the what this employee is doing. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the teenager approach to life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Try things. Yeah. Find out what gets you in trouble. Now you know where the boundaries are. Sometimes I'm so much of a rule follower that I just admire people like this. I, me too. I just think, I, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't, I didn't know you could <laughs> just say no to some of that stuff. <laughs> I didn't know you could just say, oh, whoops. No, I'm not doing that. It is yeah. truly amazing. Like, I, I really do have a lot of respect for this person, sort of. But I also have a little bit of, I, like, on the one hand, I have a lot of respect for them. On the other hand, I'm like, look, why can't you come out and be open about the fact that you're not coming back in the office? You know, just say it. Yeah. You know, have the conversation. I know it'll be hard, but be forward about that. Yeah. Right now, they're kind of being passive aggressive, you know? I'm not saying I'm not yeah. coming in, but I'm also not saying I am. Well, except I am sometimes. I just couldn't I make am. it this last time. Right. I swear I'll do it next time. <laughs> yeah, and it's two days a week, so this is happening. You know, over the next few weeks, you're going to have a lot of data points to collect here. It'll just be out. Honestly, I would sit back and just watch this situation unfold because I would love to see what excuses this person comes up with next week and the week after yeah. and the week after. Like, how long can they really go? Yeah, I think it would be kind of fun just to watch as a manager. It seems like forever for now. I don't think the excuse. The novelty of the excuse is the constraint here. That's true. Like, well, that, I, I don't I know. Couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> think of a good enough excuse. <laughs> I guess I'll drive in. <laughs> Seriously, you don't. I think it would be highly entertaining just to have a counter that's written on a piece of paper on my desk of how many times this person said I wasn't able to make it. Just like <laughs> how high can that number really go? And they keep a straight face every time. Maybe I'll try this with performance reviews. You have to write yourself review. It's due by this date. I've been late on them before because uh -huh. of life. But whenever yeah. someone asks, it's always like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. I'll get to it. And then I get to it. But instead, if I just say, oh, I wasn't able to do it. Sorry. I wasn't able to do it this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, had a, I had something come up. Couldn't get to it this year. All right. Should we read the next question? Yeah, let's go answer ahead. this question. Yep. Good luck. Okay. This is from an anonymous listener who says, hi, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and a longtime listener. Thank you. I recently made a professional judgment call in a high-stress situation that unfortunately did not turn out well. It was an excellent learning opportunity for me. Both my team and mentors were very supportive and said they've all fumbled at one point in their career. 
I was understandably reprimanded in a private meeting with my manager. I embarrassingly started crying halfway through, which I've never done before in a professional setting. I momentarily excused myself to regain my composure, but even after resuming, I had to keep the tissue box close by. It was awkward, and I could tell my manager was very uncomfortable despite his kind demeanor. I am worried my reaction will call my reputation and professionalism into question. Please help. How do I recover from this? That's a great question. Mm. There is no coming back from this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your career is over. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I'm sorry that happened. Who among us has not made a poor judgment call in a high stress situation? Well, most of us have done that. And what, what many of you don't know is that on most episodes of this podcast, I have we have to turn off the recording for just a few minutes so I can cry it out because of something Jameson said. To me. <laughs> uh, the AI technology to wipe away the tears yes. has advanced <laughs> wipe tremendously. Away. You can't see it on video. Yes. We've got the no I wasn't just crying filter turned on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I I feel like I should make this comment. And I'm not making this comment just to make this question asker feel better about themselves. I am making this comment because it is true. And that is that when I went into management for the first time, which is about eight or nine years ago, I was surprised at the amount of crying at work that I was that I witnessed. Hmm. I had never before being in management seen tears at work. And it's not a it's not a gender thing. It's not an age thing. It was across the board. I would say hmm. half the people probably that I managed at some point had some kind of emotional breakdown in at work. Maybe not half, maybe maybe, more, maybe less. But, Dave, that's a uh, poor track record. I know. I, for and I'm, people I, you I, manage. Literally, <laughs> what, as you, I'm saying, what did you do? <laughs> literally, as I was saying this, that was running through my mind. Um, yeah, you know, I never, until this moment, Jameson, I never blamed myself for that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> It's time for your cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, pause the recording. <laughs> yeah, so like, I guess, like I said, I'm not saying this just to make you feel better, but statistically speaking, you are nowhere near an anomaly. A lot of people cry at work. And it's usually yeah. in the privacy of a meeting with their manager. I have had several reports cry in one-on-one -on -one meetings with me as well. Definitely not rare. Yeah, being around crying people is kind of uncomfortable. So it makes sense your manager was really uncomfortable or and and also it's uh it's just very intimate and vulnerable in a way that we don't yeah. normally engage with at work. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I can't think of a time I I'm I'm trying to think of the past few instances I've I've had of folks crying and it didn't it didn't change anything about how I worked with them afterwards. Mm -hmm. it, it was sort of like cathartic almost of of like uh kind of getting through something difficult and and then moving on and i i feel like uh, honestly in the most recent instances i can think of it it felt like things got better afterwards and i'm i'm yeah. not saying it was because someone cried but it wasn't like well they have a black mark in my mind now because they dared to shed a tear yeah exactly no i mean if i'm your boss this this is not at all something that will blemish your reputation or your history for me. Not even a little bit. In fact... Have you ever cried at work? Well, I have, and I'll tell that story next. But let me just wrap oh, sure. this thought. I would say, in my mind, if someone broke down like this, 
in response to a professional, you know, non-abusive reprimand in a professional setting, that would actually make me feel good about them because I can see just how invested they are in this team and their success at work. You know, mm. it, honestly, it's the people who make big mistakes and just kind of walk away like, whatever. Those are the people that I really have a problem with, you know. But when people are just so invested in doing a good job at work and they're so proud of the work they do that it causes them to become emotional when they are dealing with the aftermath of a mistake. I love mm. that. Like, that's very positive to me. This is like, mm. this tells me this is someone who cares about doing a good job. So my respect yeah. goes up generally. So we're kind of speculating on what a good manager would do. A, a, a good manager would not, it's not like they're going to go gossip about about you to other people. You you would yeah. not believe the one-on-one I just had. And Yeah, they'll be like, why are you even telling me about this? That's uninteresting. How, how unbelievable their reaction was to my feedback. I read my reaction will call my reputation professionalism into question. Nah. Yeah, I can't see that ever happening. I, I mean, I, ideally, your reputation and professionalism is based on your performance and not, not it's not a one-time thing. It's not like a... Yeah, you can't. it can't all be shattered through a few tears. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a glass artifact that is now dropped right. on the ground. Right. If it's something like abusive or public if, if you like flip out and start crying and screaming abuse at the, the at your boss in a meeting like yeah maybe maybe that would be a little more impactful but yeah hearing criticism of something that i know i did wrong yeah that's it's it's tough and it's intense yeah um it's 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 an understandable reaction it doesn't seem outside the bounds of of what to expect for someone like you said who, who cares a lot and wants to do a good job and and is aware that they uh, didn't hit their their expectations. Now, you you might not have a mature manager, but I think you probably do in this case, just based on the question and what, what was said about them. But mm-hmm. from my, one of the things that, well, I'll just tell a little story, not about me, but about a friend. I had a coworker and that coworker had some kind of professional reprimand at work. And for some reason, I don't remember why, I became privy to the manager's side of the story. And the manager said that when he delivered the bad news to the coworker or the feedback to the coworker to my coworker he said oh yeah the coworker got defensive and i thought oh boy here we go they're going to criticize this person but instead the manager said which i expected and i understand so i gave them time to go think it through and mm-hmm. i realized in that moment like this is a sign of a very mature manager because they understand that when giving certain kinds of feedback to people there are going to be human emotions involved and sometimes those emotions are uncontrollable. They surface when we don't want them to. And so a mature manager will will take that into account and know that this happens and know that, look, this, they're not at their best in this moment. Let's come back later and talk about it some more when they've had a chance to let their emotional system kind of process this whole thing. I really mm. appreciated that insight. And to me, that was a sign of maturity that you could not just have a dramatic response to the to the uncontrollable emotion, but rather have an expectation that, that that it would exist and a plan for working with it. Yeah. All right. Do you want to hear the story about me crying at work now? <laughs> oh, heck yeah. <laughs> uh, this is actually not a very good story, but I, I was actually pretty young <laughs> in this case, but I did. I had an hourly job as a teenager, but it was a job. So I think it fits the question here. And essentially sure. there was a scheduling conflict between my work and some school activities. And my boss, or rather my, one of my school activity adults. So I think it was like a, a theater teacher called up my work 
and I think may have kind of chewed them out for scheduling me the way they did and uh, hmm. maybe a little bit tactlessly asked them to schedule me differently. Maybe. I don't actually know exactly how that conversation went down, but one way or another, my boss was very upset with by the situation. You know, mm-hmm. what do you do when you're an adult who manages teenagers at work? You take all your frustration out on the teenagers. That's the, <laughs> that's the healthy response. You don't take it up with the other adult that frustrated you. Yeah. And so these two managers, adult managers, kind of cornered me in a small office and they put in front of me a, a one-page written write-up of the things that had gone wrong and essentially asked me to take fault for it all and, and they had me sign this this thing. It was kind of like a it was kind of like signing a confession is what it felt Whoa. like. And I broke down in that moment because I was just like, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> These adults are all Ugh. fighting. <laughs> so yeah, I broke down. And then I quit that job, which that actually in that very moment in the 90s is what set the stage for this show's main theme. Ah, you've been quitting jobs since you first started working. That's right. It's perfect. So that's well, my if we only go back to story. Teenage jobs. I think I have cried at work. I don't think I've cried at work since my my adult professional career started, but yeah. mine is different. I think I just cried because someone stood me up on a date and then I had to go to work and I was sad. Ah. <laughs> it wasn't because wasn't somebody made me cry at work about work stuff. Right, right, right. I'm not even sure just I would count that. James. Sniffling while I take in the dry cleaning and <laughs> Did you notice how sad the dry cleaning Attach boy the was? Tags. Yeah. <laughs> Just weeping your way through your shift. Yep. Oh. How do I recover from this? Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're good. I think the way you recover from it No recovery necessary, in my opinion. Yeah, you, you just move on and, and pull the feedback out that you can and, and keep doing a good job. And this is a not an well, I could see how this is embarrassing. It is not yeah. a, a harmful to your career, I think. Right. And and now you get to show you can learn and improve. I think next year you'll look back at this and, and it'll be maybe not your fondest, happiest memory, but you won't think it's a big deal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And and definitely the the if you take the feedback and and um incorporate it, that's great. Like who cares if you cried in the meeting? It's fine, it's intense. And then you get better and, and fix the thing and, and that's what more could your could your manager or your employer expect from you? Exactly. Great. I think it's great. I wouldn't worry one bit about this. And from the sign of it, you have a great manager who didn't freak out, who, you know, everyone's going to be a little uncomfortable when someone's crying. Of course, that's fine. But uh, they did a good job and you called this person kind. So I don't know. I'll take that at face value. Now, I'm just imagining crying happening in the mundane, regular meetings. Like every splint, sprint planning, somebody cries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every... <laughs> Oh, team, more tickets, hands. more tickets, yeah. please. No, they, they never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be When awesome. will the backlog be done? Yeah. <laughs> it only grows and never, never. shrinks. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> it's all part of the plan uh, to keep your job. Good luck. I think you're fine. Yeah. All right. What can people do if they would like their own questions answered, Dave? Just weep your way over to softskills.audio and click the (laughs) ask a question button. And then after drying your tears from the sheer beauty of our form, this is a different kind of crying, by the way. You can, uh, forms can be so beautiful that they bring you to tears. Um, Mm. And it will also not tarnish your reputation to do so. In fact, we judge people who don't cry when they look at our website. (laughs) Go there and you can fill out our form. We want to say thank you so much to everyone who's done that. We love, love your questions. And in fact, if you've received... Uh, if you've had your question read on air, which has been like 
I don't know, a few hundred of you have <laughs> had that happen. We would love to hear the outcome for you. You can use the same form. Click the ask a question button form, ignore the word question and just write your story. What we said, what it, whether it worked or not. Uh, I'm Jameson and I have a little bit of a pool open. I'm guessing that 80% of the time, our advice makes your life worse. Jameson thinks <laughs> it makes it better. So we're going to do some statistical analysis on this and figure out how often we're actually good. And then cry about the results. <laughs> One way or another, we're crying. Yep. All right. Thank you. We will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.